This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. It's one of those days in Westminster where we're recording this podcast at 4.30 and Katie and I both realised we hadn't actually eaten lunch today. Uh, and that's because it's been impossible to, to find any time when um, someone hasn't been resigning from their job. We have seen a quite spectacular number of resignations today, Katie. I think last night at about, about midnight when everyone in Westminster went home and went to bed it appeared that boris johnson stabilized the situation you know he managed to appoint a chancellor and a health secretary and then and, this... and an education secretary oh is it? sorry uh and then this morning the resignation started up again early on more and more mps who'd previously been loyal started coming out and then you know nadim zahawi the chancellor had a very difficult first media round in that job which was a reminder of how unsustainable the situation is what are we talking, Katie, to, to, to be annoying? Are we talking days, weeks or months? I think right now it feels like days. Now, look, of course things can change. But as you say, I think the fact that they did those announcements very quickly, and as I write in this week's Spectator, that was a conscious effort after suffering the resignation of Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid uh, by Boris Johnson and his team to say, we are going to get this done by 9pm. We're not going to waste time. We're going to send a signal that if people want to go, we can replace them. And that was how we got Nadeem Zahori as Chancellor, Steve Buckley as Health Secretary, Michelle Donnellan as Education Secretary. They've not yet filled the post of party chairman, but I think the other roles were seen as much, uh, you know, ones that they had they couldn't waste any time on now since then we've seen that that hasn't actually managed to stop the naysayers and instead there's been a wave of junior ministerial resignations now there's been no one else from cabinet who has resigned but i think the fact there has been so many so i'm worried to even say the number we're currently at it was i think it's just past 30 yeah it's just past 30 in terms of junior ministerial roles and therefore including pps's i think yeah and, and pps's of course um But I think what it's doing is it's not so much about any specific person who's resigned today. In the sense, you can obviously look at some of them and say, well, Vicky Atkins, very competent minister, uh, someone who was, you know, talked about as a rising star. You you can go through them in that sense. But I think it's more just a drip, drip effect. And the fact that all coming from various parts of the party. So Lee Anderson, he um, has said that he no longer has faith in the prime minister. Now that is a red wall MP who I think in the past has seen as being fairly supportive of the prime minister. Um, then you have Claire Catino, who was Rishi Sunak's PPS. She stepped down from her role as PPS. Now, of course, her boss chose to go, um, but again, talked of as a rising star. And therefore it's just creating, I think, this feeling that across the party with all the different groups and um, very few people now believe that uh, you know working in Boris Johnson's government being a member of it is a positive thing or something that is worth for them to be doing so it feels it has tilted and I think even um, after Prime Minister's question she had uh, perhaps to save paper uh, five ministers all sign the same letter saying they were resigning and that included people like Kemi Badenoch so I think it is just building up to that sense and also Alex Burkhart I thought that was interesting because if you look at Alex Burkhart, who has ultimately was the Prime Minister's PPS, uh, we understand he had a good personal relationship with the Prime Minister. I think people like that are saying it's time, is suggesting it's a turning. Now, I still don't think this is where number 10 
is. I don't think for the Prime Minister is. We're speaking, and the reason Isabel's not crying on this podcast is she's watching the liaison committee. And the Prime Minister is repeatedly saying that he doesn't plan to go anywhere and trying to brush us off. But I think you combine this with the fact that the 1922 committee is meeting later, and it does feel as though the political will is moving to a point where there will be a uh, no-confidence vote. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I mean, Alex Burkhardt, as you say, is so striking because he was Boris Johnson's former parliamentary private secretary. They were close. They kind of got on. Kind of Alex Burkhardt is a historian. You can imagine the conversations that led to between them. I, also I think they think like playing ping-pong together too. I think it's also interesting in that, in my understanding, he did it... He, he, didn't resign out of the blue to the Prime Minister. I think there was an attempt to say, look, this position is not sustainable. Now, someone else who appears to have tried to tell the Prime Minister the position is unsustainable is is Michael Gove, who um, told the Boris Johnson this morning that he didn't think that the situation could hold. Now, Michael Gove has not resigned, although the kind of understanding is that Michael Gove is kind of currently in a holding pattern, you know, on the, you know, kind of about, I think he feels that the psychodrama of 2016 feels he can't resign, but he felt he had to say something. And I I, I think that, that it tells you something here, which is, you know, where is Boris Johnson head at? Everyone who has spoken to him thinks there is no chance of him going voluntarily at the moment. You know, Graham Brady, the chairman of the 22 committee, is um, reported to be going to see him tonight. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think that conversation will be quite clear about what the mood in the parliamentary party is, but I don't think Boris Johnson is going to respond to that by saying, oh, right, okay, I, I better go then. But I think, uh, and this is something that, 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 that a thought that occurred to me reading your, your column in the forthcoming spec, KB, is that. In some ways, because Boris Johnson is so determined not to go, people are more prepared to to bend rules, change rules to get rid of him because they basically uh, they basically think you know who knows what he might you know, they, they worry about what he might do if he stays, and so they are more prepared to take more dramatic and more immediate action to do it. Someone in government had said to me that they thought if this had been played differently, you know, that, that, that Boris Johnson could maybe have left after a kind of couple of month long farewell tour while as that is clearly not something that is now an option yes there definitely seems to be some alarm as to what tricks boris johnson could play to try and stay in position and also those around boris johnson saying that if um, the 1922 committee decide to change the rules that is you know not fair play and they will reap uh, the punishment for that which i think is more a suggestion that if you oust uh, the prime minister from office by changing the rules at the very last minute it sets a bad precedent and actually uh, whoever takes over from boris johnson um will find themselves in a situation where it's very hard to win loyalty from a fairly reasonably sized chunk of the party. James, when we're looking ahead, I think, to that 1922 meeting later, um, what do you think is the fastest this timetable could move? I mean, are we talking about, a, if there's a change in rules tonight, so that would be the current executive? So we're no longer talking about the 1922 executive elections. So I think the most likely outcome, although it is, you know, at the moment the situation is... is moving so fast that you know we should we, we should cover ourselves by saying that, that you know although the, the spectator podcast team are exceptionally fast e- even they might not be fast enough guns in the west to get us up uh, to get the podcast up and out at the same time the situation the same i think at the moment the most likely outcome is the tonight's 22 executive announces it is bringing forward uh the elections to the new executive but there will be a new executive elected by monday and that executive will then meet straight away after its election to discuss a rule change. 
And and if you work through the timetable on that, I think you're pointing to a kind of Tuesday no confidence vote or something like that. So, you know, some some early stage of next of next week. Now, I did say to one person who is who is pushing for an early vote, I said, "Look, are you totally sure?" But the numbers have changed because, yes, Vicky Atkins was a minister and she resigned. But I would be slightly surprised if she had voted anything other than no confidence in Boris Johnson. That, yeah, similar to someone like Alex uh, Chalk. Yeah. The, these are the ministers. Vicky Atkins, Alex Chalk, um, also, if you look at John Glenn, these were all the ministers who were regarded on a list. They were on a list, which the Whips Office and Number 10 had, of people who they thought would either resign or should potentially be sacked in a reshuffle because they were viewed as not being loyal enough. Yeah, and... So I said to this person, and they said, no, they, they think the opinion has totally shifted, that in the tea room, you know, it is totally mainstream now for people to be openly talking about removing Boris Johnson, including serving ministers, including ministers who haven't resigned. Some ministers are not resigning on the basis that the government, you know, the, the Her Majesty's government must carry on, they must, someone must carry down and they're doing their staff jobs. Although it is worth noting the Education Department now has uh, one Secretary of State and no junior ministers at all. And, you know, I, and I think that very few people in anywhere in government share Boris Johnson's bullishness that he can replace all first departing uh, people. So, I mean, he keeps uh, maintained to the, to the liaison committee. He's got about 80 in the Save Boris group. Yeah, and but this person said to me that they thought that, yeah, and, and look, these numbers, these numbers are obviously speculative. They thought Boris Johnson is in danger if he doesn't resign of getting less than 100 votes in a no-confidence ballot. Now, there is another question here, which is, is it better for the Tory party... The, 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 again, as you say in your Guardian piece, to, to keep referring to the bull's oeuvre, um, this, is, this is going to inject poison into the Tory party. There, there is no way you can unseat a sitting leader without it doing so. Look at the fact that Theresa May lost the Tory majority at general election, couldn't get her Brexit deal through, but there is still poison in the party from her removal. Now, some people say, actually... The fact that Boris Johnson doesn't want to quit is a good thing because actually having a vote of the parliamentary party where the overwhelming majority of the parliamentary party vote to get rid of him will slightly kind of stop some of the myth-making that would otherwise exist. Other people think that the kind of the trauma of the ballot and the sight of the, of the regicide is worse and it would be better if he took his golden carriage clock uh, and headed off to the international speaker circuit where he will make an absolute fortune. Um, and so... I think the Tory party is very unclear right now about what's going to happen. But I think what, what, what is certain, even more certain than when we recorded last night's podcast, is this is now, this is still when not if. And I think it is now when not if measured in days and at most weeks, not months. And James, just to end this podcast, you've uh, written this week's Spectator cover piece on the contenders. So what comes after Boris if we do end up in a situation in the next few days, next week, um, where Boris Johnson is ousted from office, he loses a confidence vote, how quickly do you think we're going to start seeing campaigns assemble, potential contenders come out, and actually how that, the timing of the contest would it be over the summer? Uh, uh, they will have to do it immediately because I think that the, there will be a huge push to get this done over the summer. The, the view among lots of Tory grandees, the kind of people who would uh, have a huge influence on what the contest, timetable for the contest would be, is uh, don't that, that, that it looks least self-indulgent if the Tories get this done while 
Parliament is on its summer recess. That you know that you can basically say we're doing doing this on the holidays, and I think mean, the and so the, that schedule would require you to do the parliamentary rounds very very quickly, so that they're done before Parliament breaks up for the summer. Maybe Tory MPs stay back for for a, a little while. I can see you look thrilled at this prospect. About my holiday, but it's um, so good. And then you know you do the hustings around the country over the summer, and you try and get a new leader as as fast as, as possible. Because I think there is a sense here that that you know that. That the public will not like a long, drawn-out leadership contest, given all the various crises facing the country. You're right now looking at how strained and unhappy MPs are. I, I think it's hard to imagine that any new leader is going to have a very easy time of it. No, and I think this is. I think. I think that. I think that one of those. I mean, there are two two positive things that you can say for the Tory Party right now. One is that. Boris Johnson so dominates politics that even if his successor comes from the current cabinet, it will feel like a very new and different government because, you know, Boris Johnson's personality is so dominant over this government that it will, it will feel new and different. And remember how when Margaret Thatcher left in 1990 and was replaced by John Major, he went on to win the, the election two years later. The second thing is, you know, Labour are within striking, you know, the Tories are within striking distance of Labour still. This is not a 1995 situation when the Tories decided to stick with John Major, in part because they thought Tony Blair was so far ahead that no one would have any chance of, of hauling him in and catching him. Uh, but then I think the worry for the Tories party is, you know, how do you put this party back together again? Can you imagine the Dean Doris and Jacob Rees-Mogg coming out when the new leader is elected and saying, you know, that's my leader, that's my prime minister, I salute them, and I will be a loyal foot soldier. Uh, I, I find that very hard to believe. I mean, there will be there will be consequences. And I think there will be, you know, there will be Borisites who will, if they think the new leader was not sufficiently loyal to the old leader, who will who will cause trouble for them. Um, and, and so I think this is this is not going to be uh, this is not going to be simple in terms of putting the party back together again. Thank you, James. The Spectator Economic Innovator of the Year Awards, sponsored by Investec, are open for entries. If you are an entrepreneur-led business bringing radical change to its sector, please apply at www.spectator/innovator. We are looking for entries all across the UK and our closing date is the 4th of July.